gentle listener, and welcome to Michael and Ethan in a Room of Scotch, the podcast in which two nerds and sometimes others talk about books, but not about scotch. I am your host today, Michael Lilienthal, and this is my guest, Ethan Bartlett, but I'm not going to talk about him because we have two other guests that are more important than he is. Uh, we have Justin and Larry from the Here's Johnny podcast. Hello. I am Hello, everyone. Oh, I'm Larry. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> hey! <laughs> that's, 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 that's how an introduction yep. goes, and it sounds very professional for a podcast to introduce the guests in such a manner. We'll fix it in post. Now we're real and aud- uh, uh, official. Yes. <laughs> real and audacious is what Michael was going to say. Audacious, yep. yes. Real and audacious. Authentic, I think, is what I was thinking. Oh, yeah. Thinking that's what of. I meant by audacious. Authentic and audacious. So, so I, I think we've... Uh... Larry and I have come to an agreement on a rule for you guys. Oh, wow. Oh, good. That was wow, this is fast. great. Mm. Well, Ethan, do you want to get your wife in here to have her read the, the pre-existing rules, and then we'll, we'll hear the new rule that gets yeah. added? And she's going to read the rules the way she always reads them, even though this is a special episode where we're not actually drinking scotch. But she's not very good at, like, improvising, so... Uh, <laughs> what's going on? Why are you looking at me that way, dear? Okay, anyway, can you read the rules, Because you just dumped on her. Like. <laughs> oh, so why? Oh, okay. <laughs> I've never heard it put that way. That's correct. Well, yeah. that's a McElroy thing. I recognize yeah. that. Yeah. I listen to a Bim Bam, all of it, pretty much. Anyway, go oh, on, dear. Karen, what are the rules? Rule one, once the scotch is poured and the glasses clink, the scotch must not be mentioned at any time. If anyone mentions it, they lose. Rule two, no one's mother should be mentioned in any pejorative sense or any other sense not directly indicated by the text of the book being discussed. If any mothers are mentioned, the mentioner loses. Rule three, Ethan must never say the phrase first paragraph. If he does, he loses. Rule four, Michael must never say the words vampire, vampiric, or any derivative thereof. If he does, he loses. Rule five, if anyone has to use the bathroom during an episode, he or she loses. However, this should not stop anyone from doing so because this podcast is anti-UTI. And what happens if someone breaks the rules? If one person breaks a rule, they receive a punishment in the form of a verbal stunt chosen by the person who did not break the rule. All that being said, everyone, drink responsibly. Yeah, Ethan. Yeah, Michael. Gentle Gentle listener. listener. So, those are the rules that are in existence before this new rule. So what's what's the new rule that now, as as tradition for, for our listeners who may not know, any guest on the podcast has a right to introduce a new rule... And now Larry and Justin have decided to do just that, and I'm very afraid for this Halloween also special. Also me, also. <laughs> do you want to go ahead and give him the rule, Larry? Oh, it was yours. Mine was a little bit more mean, but yours is yours is nice, since it's going to stick, so you can do yours. Oh, okay, okay. Um, how about you guys can no longer say, old man? Oh, no! Oh, wow. <laughs> we can no is longer say, old much? man. No, that's... No, yeah. I love it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reserve the right to say it in, like, quoting the text that is under discussion okay yeah yeah kind of along the lines of uh of uh, like the, the uh the second yeah. rule yeah no. okay so uh-huh. quoting the text you're allowed to say old man but other than that 
Yeah. Right. Okay. And and only if it's a direct quote. It's not referring to the text. We have to quote the text. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm, right. I'm, I'm on board with this. All right. No more old man. All right. Um, so as the podcast traditionally goes, we will uh, salute and once we salute and clink our glasses, except we're all not in a room <laughs> right now, we're all in separate rooms, so we'll pretend to clink our glasses. Uh, that's when the rules start taking effect. And from that moment until the conclusion, when we are giving our ratings, we must follow those rules. Are we going to uh, discuss what we're drinking? Yes. Oh, yeah, we should do that. We should mention that. So, yeah, uh, Justin and Larry, what are, you, what are you two drinking? Go ahead first, Jay. Oh, I'm just drinking some rum and coke. I know it's not scotch, nice. but that's... it's, it's, oh, no, that's it's my right. quote-unquote bad drink. So. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> uh, mine, mine's even more uh, beta than that. I am drinking some hot chocolate with marshmallows, but I did splash some Kahlua in there. So. Oh, okay. mm. if I knew we were allowed to have like hot chocolate, I mean, <laughs> screw this rum and coke. I want to go get some hot chocolate. Do we need to pause the podcast <laughs> and let you... Uh, not now, but definitely later. <laughs> Okay. Um, Ethan, what are you drinking? I am drinking a, a beer by Carbon Four Brewing Company, Ooh. which is um, located near Madison, where near where I live. Uh, it's called Fantasy Factory. It's an India Pale yeah. Ale, um, and ironically, though it's only available in Wisconsin. This is something that Michael brought me the last time he came to visit me. So it took a from Minnesota. Yeah, it took an out of stater <laughs> to bring me the like state exclusive, uh, which is more or less how my life goes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I am drinking an old fashioned. Oh, um, fantastic! I approve. The, the recipe of which uh, Ethan gave me for my birthday uh-huh. earlier this year. Are you uh, it's it's the... recipe number two. Okay. Uh, but uh, and I'm also not using the bitters you gave me. Ah, why not? <laughs> the Sorry. best bitters. That's no, they okay. are very, very good bitters. I'm using um, the Jamaican number one bitters, which are like uh, uh, black pepper and allspice, allspice and ginger. That's also uh, very stuff. good bitters. So, yeah, they're very good. So, what whiskey are you using? Uh, Evan Williams bourbon. Ah, very good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, that's my drink. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, we will salute, the rules will go into effect, and then we will start talking about the subject of our episode. So, Lachayan! Here's Munyurai. Let's go! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> On this very special Halloween episode of Michael and Ethan in a room with Scotch, but also with Justin and Larry and not in a room with uh, <laughs> we are discussing the story The Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe. Um, and if any of you may be familiar with this story, it's kind of a classic. Um, I don't know, I think the first time I read this story was in high school in a uh, English class. Um, surrounded by other high school students who thought it was weird and (laughs) yeah so um yeah i guess it's it's a very very short story which was surprising to me because it has actually been a while since i've read it yeah i always remembered it being a lot longer same here 
Uh, and I remembered some other things about it differently also. Yes, um, I, I, yes. This was actually uh, the first time I've read this. I oh, really? High, oh, yeah. I skipped high school classes all the time. So <laughs> I'm not surprised <laughs> I haven't read this before. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a very big Poe fan, and not only have I read this several times, but I also have a uh, recording. Vincent Price did a, a film oh. called an anthology. It's an anthology film Ooh. called An Evening of Edgar Allan Poe, where he just sits there and reads Poe's work. What? And oh yeah it's as awesome as it sounds like oh yeah it's fantastic all right well i'm i'm out i'm gonna go look that up immediately ethan's gonna go buy that justin's gonna go buy makeup chocolate (laughs) (laughs) oh good yeah we're 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 dwindling in our podcast already michael and larry in a room but we're not mentioned we're not (laughs) (laughs) oh good um, yeah, so, all right, um, uh, Larry, you're a big Poe fan. I am. Uh, is this your favorite Poe story, or oh, is no. there another? This is, this right. is definitely in the top, like, ten, but the two favorite for me, and I actually have this, let me get to, like, how I would rank it out of ten, um, mm-hmm. the Raven and the Pit and the Pendulum, for me, are mm. far mm. better. I mean, Raven, sure. yes, obviously, but I think the Pit and the Pendulum, there's a little bit more... Kind of stress for the reader as he reads it, as opposed to this one, hmm. because we'll get into it. But for this, the the stressfulness of like the heart beating is only like the last few paragraphs, so yeah, it's just not as stressful mm-hmm. as some of his other work is. Which is which is what I was alluding to that surprised me earlier because yeah, it has been a long time since I read this story. I was I mm-hmm. know I read it in high school or maybe even middle school. I know I read it a couple times, but again the last time was a long time ago but like the in my memory that heartbeat was like started much closer to the beginning of the story and was like a driving Mm. thing throughout the story and i'm almost wondering if i listened to like a radio adaptation or saw a film adaptation that that yeah sort of did it that way and Mm -hmm. was it the simpsons (laughs) i I don't think it was the simpsons well i know that there was a animated um, short of the Telltale Heart that Bella Lugosi narrated. Okay. Oh. And that came out in 2015. So I'm not <laughs> sure like when you graduated, but that might have. It wouldn't. Have, that's that's way too recent for it to have been. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I am decrepit and <laughs> graduated to to steer away from things I'm not supposed to say. I I am decrepit and I graduated <laughs> in like 2011. So. Um, from high school or college? From. Oh, that would be college. college. High school was 2007. So oh, okay, yeah. so you're older than me then. I'm I'm graduated high school in 09. Okay, okay. Ah. Oh. So yeah. Well, we have a young person here apparently. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody stop cussing. <laughs> um, no, Ethan, my my uh, uh, perception of this was very similar to yours, except I kind of remembered this story in two acts. Okay. But there's the first act where he's plotting to kill his neighbor, and then there's the second act where he's being tormented by the beating heart. Yeah. But that beating heart comes so much later. Yeah. Um, and likewise, I remember the whole narration of this story being a little bit different. In, in my memory, it's a story of a guy who is just conscience-stricken and writing his confession. Right. Instead, the narrator is actually 
the the whole point is he's trying to convince his reader that he's not crazy. Right. And it's it's interesting too because uh, this is like sort of a um, device that I think Poe uses a lot because Poe was was a newspaper man. Like he wrote you know nonfiction yep. for newspapers, and it almost just reads like a transcription of an interview or like a report mm-hmm. of an interview. Yeah. And you can well, it's all first-person uh, narrative. The only quotation is his at the at the conclusion, where he he uh, says, "Tear up the planks here, here it is the beating of this hideous right. heart." Yeah, am I correct that that's the only place where there's actual quotation marks? Uh, um, yeah. No, because the old man talks about. Uh, mm. Oh yeah, uh, he oh, says he's like who, asking who's, who's there. there. Yeah, he yeah. asks who's there when that's right. he pops in the room. Okay. But it is very little actual like reproduction of dialogue. It's much more yes, right. summary and like internal monologue and stuff. Right. I don't know. It, it was it was it was surprising to me how how this story actually ran. Because uh, initially I'm thinking it's a story of guilt, uh, but it's not. <laughs> the, this narrator is not guilty at all, or he doesn't feel guilty. <laughs> Does he not though? Because. This this narrator read to me on this reading much more unreliable than I than I expected. Yes, <laughs> especially just because in the opening, you know, he's just he says multiple times that he's in or you know he's that he's not insane. And of course, when you yep. say something multiple times, it does get more convincing every time. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah, that's the way of it. <laughs> right, but. <laughs> the the more he well, says it, the the like shakier his edifice seems to become. And yeah. if you can't believe him right from the beginning, then like, how can you believe him in anything else that he says? Um, well, so... I don't think we have to believe him in order to not think he's like. I don't think he's guilty. Like, I agree with that. Like, I don't think he's a reliable narrator. But I also don't think that his confession at the end was out of guilt. I think it was more just because he was an insane person. He thought hmm. the cops knew what was going on, and that's why he heard the heartbeat just get louder and louder. I don't think it really had anything to do... Like, I don't think it had to do with a confession more as he was, like, he was losing it. Like, sure. going back mm-hmm. to how he's not a reliable narrator. Almost, almost more that he just suddenly knew that this was going to happen, so he wanted to get it, get it over with. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Get in front of it, yeah. Yeah, what, what struck me is his motivation the entire time was it was just fear. He was constantly afraid. Mm-hmm. First, he's afraid of the eye that's described as vulture-like, as, as he calls it, the evil eye. He's afraid of that. Um, but then as he's uh, over his neighbors, uh, i got to steer away what I'm not allowed to say. <laughs> um, uh, as he was over that guy's bed, um, he, where, where does he say he so, hears... Who, what's, what's his name? The I don't Jack. think he had a name. He was his neighbor. Jack. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Jack. Okay. Uh, that's right. <laughs> um, but uh, where where is that that line where he talks about? Uh, oh, here we go. Um, uh, presently, I heard a slight groan, and I knew it was the groan of mortal terror. It was not a groan of pain or of grief. Oh no, it was the low, stifled sound that arises from the bottom of the soul of an overcharged with awe. I knew the sound well. Many a night, just at midnight, when all the world slept, it has welled up from my own bosom, deepening with its dreadful echo the terrors that distracted me. I say I knew it well. Uh, and goes on, it's it's the fear of death, uh, or something unnameable, uh, 
uh, or, or even more. But th this that allusion to something that came before the evil eye that caused him to just wake up in terror and to make this moaning sound that now his neighbor is making. Um, he's motivated by fear then. He's motivated by fear now. He's motivated by fear again when he thinks he hears the heartbeat. Yeah. Which, that's a whole other discussion about whether it's beating or not. I don't know if it actually matters. I don't think it is. I think it's heavily implied that it's not. Right. Uh, because our narrator is crazy. But it's just an unnameable fear. Yeah, which is an interesting motivation. Because um, almost up until like this point in the history of literature, you had to have a very clear motivation for your characters. Especially in a short story. Mm -hmm. um, and Poe might be one right. of the first the first uh writers who really sort of just takes the the motivation or at least the clarity of the motivation completely out of his story mm -hmm. um there there is a motivation that this narrator has but you will never be able to figure it out from the text it's just it's <laughs> just uh poe has just sort well, of yanked it out you could speculate well that, that's he... that's kind of with a lot of poe's work though he's very ambiguous yeah. when it comes to not only like his character motivations but also like setting and stuff yeah yeah um mm -hmm. and i think it's purpose i mean that, that that's definitely purposeful on his part yeah which which is interesting too like even talking about setting with this story where is it set mm -hmm. right yeah like you, you kind of get the impression that these uh, these two people are sharing a house in some way. Yeah, you do. Or in an apartment building or something. It's it's not clear. It's it, it it seems to be a house because the police officers come and ring the front doorbell and he comes down. Yeah. He's the one who comes down and answers. Yeah, and he it. shows them into the and chamber is, that that the other person was right. supposed to be in. Yeah, I always just got the feeling like he was the guy's uh, caretaker, like, or something. attendant, yeah. or caretaker, or especially. Mm -hmm. If he's got an eye of the, you know, quote unquote, an eye like a vulture, I'm assuming that's like a, like a, he's blind, right? Yep. So he's got to have some kind of assistance getting around. Right. Well, mm -hmm. when I was prepping for this episode, I went online and did like, looked up some people's analysis of it. And apparently yeah. there is a school of thought that believes that the old man and the narrator are father and son. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. And that would make a lot more sense about yeah. why. The narrator why they're sharing so, a house exactly why the, why, the, why the narrator felt so comfortable moving around the home why it wasn't weird when the cops came that he was there why mm -hmm. um maybe why he felt that his father's eye although obviously he was blind right yeah but maybe that was mm -hmm. the, like, he felt like he was trapped like i never really thought about it before until i like i said i like, found this little article online i thought it was really cool because i think if you read this story in that context it kind of changes it up yeah absolutely and i mean that's again like what you like like one of you just said that Poe does with a lot of his stories, you almost need an extra piece of information that mm -hmm. you can't definitively mm -hmm. prove from the text, but you have to assume it in there um, mm -hmm. in order to, to make it make sense. And, you know, so if you do assume that, that this is a, a father-son scenario and you accept the, the narrator's idea that this is motivated by this, this eye, this, this gaze then you know you you could draw sort of sort of a freudian though not necessarily freudian analysis to like childhood mm -hmm. right and maybe the, the, the father was very like disciplinarian and it was like every time that i just turned on him like the the kid knew he was in for it um yeah mm -hmm. it's also fun to note too like he never throughout the story he never once claims to be innocent of what he did right, right? 
yep. just that he's not crazy. Right. So he's fully willing to admit that he did what he did. So he doesn't think he has any guilt about it. He, I truly think he has no problem with the act he committed. I think it's more of him testing his own like sanity. Like he thought the eye and killing his the old man or whatever you want to call him would cure him of that stress, but all it did was amplify it once right. he realized that it wasn't just that that was bothering him. And you you know, you could, yeah. you could definitely read it that way. You could also, I think, read it to say that that the heart itself is like his guilt being displaced because there's a lot of displacement mm-hmm. going on in this story um oh my goodness externalizing yeah, everything exactly and you know so if you if you assume that sort of his fear of being called insane is not what his fear actually is um that maybe there's there's some other reason he's trying to convince the reader mm. then you can also sort of assume that that you know when he says he doesn't feel any guilt in a sense he's telling the truth but in a sense he's also lying because the guilt was sort of externalized into that that heart Mm -hmm. that's really really good insight actually uh which which does tie it to the unreliable narrator um nature of it which which i wanted to point out just how unreliable he is the very first word of this entire story gives the lie yes. to this narrator it's true because again once you protest about something it becomes more believable exactly but he starts off true all right i think everything you're mm. saying is a lie <laughs> uh, that's that's interesting aspects to this and i wanted to uh call attention to something here r- relating to the ambiguity of it all especially the motivation uh and just that idea that you need a missing piece yeah uh, or to, to think about a missing piece, which does itself kind of make this a longer story because the rest of the story comes in your right. thinking about yeah. it. <laughs> uh, you, and you need to go through several iterations of it uh, where you think, well, maybe this is the missing piece. Maybe this is the missing piece. Maybe maybe they're all crazy and it's all taking place in a mental right. institution. Right. You know, it's, you know, we all had that person in, in high school who would analyze or stories that way. Yep, <laughs> but you know that's 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 something that's you know not necessarily out of place. Yeah, in Poe, it's a much more here. valid yeah. fan theory than it is in a lot of uh, contexts. Right, more valid in Poe. Well, something else that I think is yeah, something yeah. else that I think is interesting. Like, if you want to take this more as a literal story, right? You don't want to mm-hmm. start plugging away at like motivations and all that. There's a point I can't find it right now because I'm looking through it, of course, and now I can't find it. But there's a point where he mentions beetles yeah. and yeah. the wall. And again, mm-hmm. like I went online and looked up some stuff because I wanted to, you know, just make sure I had my stuff in order. But there are such a beetle called a Death Watch beetle, and oh, actually Henry oh, David yeah. Thoreau talks about this. And these beetles were common during that time, and when they mate, they tap their heads against surfaces. Okay. So he hmm. literally could have been hearing something, and he mentions it. Um, there's a point in the story I'm trying. To, I can't find it now, but one of the nights when he goes in to watch the old man sleeping he says he hears beetles crawling in the wall okay see and that, that actually made makes sense with a, a thought that i did have um as he gets to the part about the actual heart there in the last like three or four paragraphs of the story um and he has a repeated descriptor where he says um there was a low dull quick sound much such a sound as a watch makes when enveloped in cotton and he, he, like, repeats that a mm-hmm. couple times, including that's the sound that once he's, like, cut up the the uh, the guy, 
and like you know stashed him so that there's no possibility he's the guy's still alive he starts hearing the same sound again um and it's all always the specific description and it almost just made me reading it in sort of a literal way almost made me be just think like what if that's what it is like what if the old man ah dang it what if he had a watch on him Ah, you lost. I'm gonna, I'm oh gonna no! And then we can figure out who's gonna flagellate me. Um, <sighs> but, but what if he, you know, had a watch? Like, what if a watch fell out of his pocket or something and just sort of lay muffled in sure. the, uh, yeah, you know, in the blanket or whatever on his bed and, you know, just anything like that? Like, maybe this is a literal sound that he's hearing and describing. But again, he's he's displacing it somehow, and and it's the heart or sure. it reminds yeah, him and, of the heart. And before we punish you, something to comment on that. Um, Justin brought it up earlier as a joke, but I think it actually provides a lot of insight to what you said. In the Simpsons episode where they kind of pick and yeah. choose at Poe's stories, <laughs> um, with the Raven, right? Obviously, they over exaggerate what's going on with Bart being the Raven right. and all that stuff, but it's that is also more grounded in reality than this so it very well could have been like just what you said like he might have made the simple mistake of like burying the guy's pocket See, watch but of course him. like this this is this <laughs> tension that i think poe sets up quite intentionally here where if you read it that way you read it that very literal way the only reason that he would mistake what this sound is and think it's a heart is if he had some sort of displaced guilt or stress or Mm -hmm. something that's like making him take this very literal sound in a very sort of supernatural way when none of the other information in the story like points to but why i don't i guess i don't think guilt is the right i mean i wouldn't use guilt for this even with a literal interpretation i think it's more guilt but it has to be something you're right i I agree that I, i guess i just never see this narrator as guilty i see him more as like focus on trying to I, commit the perfect crime and then he just, just like starts freaking out right he's just not able yeah he's I, just I not able to fear. hold the line I, I think it's fear uh again you know because he he displaces his fear of death and then you know even that sound it, you know when when the, the crux of the story is the telltale the telltale heart that sound mm-hmm. that he hears or doesn't hear then every sound that he hears becomes more important right. to the story so when he hears this moaning sound that I mentioned earlier, that groan of mortal terror, uh, and he thinks it's coming from this person he's about to kill, uh, it, is he reading into that? Is he projecting his own fear of death onto his victim? Uh, and I think he projects a lot of yeah. the same things. Because if this guy actually thought someone was there ready to kill him, would he just lie still and whine right. about it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's a that's a valid point, and I think if if it's not if it's not guilt that he's displacing, fear seems like uh, at least as strong um, motivator. And, and I think that's what really roots this so solidly in the horror genre is it's fear yeah. that's unnameable. This this narrator seems to have a fear of death, but he doesn't even say that right. explicitly. He, he's afraid of something. But even right at the beginning, the second paragraph starts, it's impossible to say how first the idea entered my brain, but once conceived, it haunted me day and night. So the idea is this emotion, this feeling, this idea, this thought 
That's yeah. the monster yeah. in this story. It's it's the unbidden thought or again, idea. If you, or if, if you assume that the um, his his father is is who he kills here, um, if you assume that, and you also assume that it's fear that that causes this telltale heart thing, that still works, right? Because it's it's you know if if mm-hmm. if you sort of take this reading that um, his father's sort of I was was on him throughout his childhood or whatever and that you know he knew he was going to be punished be- when his father turned his eye on him like that's still a fear thing um a, a fear motivator so if that's what he's snuffing yeah. out he's trying to like snuff out his fear and you know that could be all sort of bound right. up in that whole complex of of things mm-hmm and, and at the end, it's fear of being discovered, not necessarily of fear, fear of being found guilty, but fear of being discovered. And so he sidelines that fear by right. exposing right. himself. Yeah. And I think you this know. is a perfect time to take a quick pause and go ahead and administer this Yeah, well, I was maybe <laughs> yeah. trying to, I, I, I get distracted. to get us away from that, but uh, you guys are... Oh, no, no. no, no. <laughs> just have been communicating about what the proper uh, yeah. chore should be. <laughs> Please, please give him a, a very excellent punch. All right, so we, we liked the idea of the singing. Oh, gosh. Um, have you heard the episode where I said so Yes! We, 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 have, we, have, we have two options for you. Both are from oh, musicals that have, been ad- that have been adapted not only for stage but for film. Your first option is Mr. Cellophane from Chicago. Okay. Your second option is one that I like to sing when fairly inebriated well, at proper parties. Okay. And that is a Sweet Transvestite from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I don't actually know either of these songs. Well, luckily we do have the internet and we do have lyric videos on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, that's what we're afraid of. Oh, that could be like a fun karaoke. Right. Okay. I'm going to do it this way. Yeah. Which one is shorter? Uh, they're both about the same length, actually. Um, I will say that John C. Riley does hit a little bit higher of a note than Tim Curry does with Sweet Transvestite. All right. But if you mm-hmm. are swinging Sweet Transvestite, you are talking about, obviously, the sweetness of being <laughs> said Transvestite. Give me, give me so. the John C. Riley one because I feel like I'm. I Do you identify with also him? Also, probably my singing skill is closer to his than it would be to <laughs> Tim Curry. And that's probably fair. <laughs> All right. I am getting you a lyric video um this one does not have john c Riley in the background but it does have your lyrics so yeah that's acceptable um it, it is a classic uh it is one i tried out for when i tried out for chicago and i've college. i've seen so, chicago so like i probably am at least vaguely familiar with it oh and, and michael why is he singing this again uh it's because he broke the new rule that you gave him <laughs> what, what 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 rule was that uh, it was to say the, uh, not say the O-M word. Oh, okay. All right, thank you for I, I like what you're going yeah, for. You guys are, yeah, you guys are picking up on this really quickly. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 don't like, I don't like how yeah. well you're adapting. It's a game now. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I played a lot of kings in college, so I'm, I'm good yeah. at that, that little scenario. All right, so, yeah, I don't think I can, because I'd have to pull out my headphones, and then we'd get all kind of feedback with the microphone. Oh, that's fine. I've heard it many mm. times. Just go ahead. I was and gonna say, it out. if you guys want to click on it and like simulcast this, I'm about to hit play. 
All right. So okay, yes, right. you know what? I, I, I'm going to. All right, ready? <laughs> yep. Oh. Yes. All right. Five, four, three, two, one, go. There's some intro music. Oh, just just pure Chicago for you. Michael, I will get you by the all end right. of the episode, so we are aware. Oh, all right. All right. <laughs> if someone stood up in a crowd and raised his voice way up out, out loud and also waved his arm and shook his leg, you'd notice him. If someone in the movie show yelled fire in the second row, this whole place is a powder keg, you'd notice him. <laughs> Even without clucking like a hen. Everyone gets noticed now and then. Unless, of course, that person it should be. Invisible? In I can't say that word. <laughs> Me. Right, here's, here's a chorus. Cellophane. Mr. Cellophane. Should have been my name, Mr. Cellophane. Because <laughs> you can look right through me. Walk right by me. And never... <laughs> No, I'm there. Oh, I got to Oh, you can it. sing. Come on, sing I'll it. Tell you cellophane. There it is. Mr. <laughs> cellophane. Should have been my name, Mr. Cellophane. Cuz you can look right through me. Walk right by me. And never know I'm there. Sometimes I harmonize by accident, be real weird in this rendition. <laughs> Suppose he was a little cat. They misspelled residing in a person's flat. And fed you fish and scratched your ears. You'd notice him. Suppose he was a woman wed and sleeping in a double mad man beside one bed for seven years. You'd notice well, him. He's, he's pouring his heart out right now. A human being made of more than air. His wife's been cheating on him. With all that bulk, you're bound to see him there. And no one cares. Unless that human being next to you <laughs> is unimpressive. You're a very good director. I'm just not very good at this. <laughs> Oops, I skipped some lyrics. There's Voldemort right, in this song? <laughs> all right. Hopefully you're dancing right now. Doing the, I am. The... The old jazz. You should envision me kicking my kicking my gams. <laughs> Cellophane. You can look right trough me. Oh, it's a trough in the lyrics. Walk right by me. Never know I'm there. Alright, you gotta hit it now. You gotta hit it now. Cellophane. It. Yes. Cellophane. Could have been my name, Mr. Cellophane. Because you can look right through me, walk right by me, and never know I'm there. Hit it! Hit it! Never <laughs> even know. Yes. Hold it! Hold it! No. Oh, you didn't hold it. I'm there. Oh, that was beautiful. It's not quite over yet. I know. <laughs> 
some violins happening. Hope I haven't picked it up. No, it's the best part time. of the song. They didn't even have the lyrics there for it. Bravo, oh, bravo, bravo. Thank you. <laughs> very good. Very, very, very good, good directing. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> musical at all. I, you know, uh, I will say I was not expecting the directing, but. I'm sorry, I'm I had to. I, I, I love that song. <laughs> I, I would not have picked the song that I would not want to sing myself, so I had I have a prior oh, experience. Oh, that's, that's very... Uh, oh, that's, that's very yeah, fair yeah. of you. <laughs> also, can we use so the, that? So the Telltale Heart. <laughs> what? I don't... I, I would, the word copyright just occurred to me. Oh, yeah, you're, you are fine. So me and Justin have done this a yep. lot. Okay. We use, like... We'll use like thirty second bits, like for the last episode. Yeah. We use "Don't Fear the Reaper." Yeah. Basically, the only time you'll ever get in trouble is if you're huge. Okay. Or if you put it on YouTube. Oh, okay. Which we have done. <laughs> and sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes they'll just ignore it, and other times they'll just like literally blank that segment out. Okay. Mm-hmm. So basically, when we get huge, we have to just like delete that four and a half minutes or whatever. Or, or, you know what? You might be okay because that's a play, right? Yeah. Like, you might that's be fair. okay. You know what? If they ask, it, you could just say it was a play. <laughs> yeah. Which it was. Well, yeah. Or Actually, an audition. We, 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 did some re- we did some research. And so I wanted, for the interview where I interviewed uh, Devin on the podcast, yeah. um, we found out that if I had used a cover of Living Dead Girl instead yeah, of Living Dead Girl by Zombie, mm. it would have been just fine. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, I actually feel much better about this. Our normal protocol would just have been to ask the question and then sort of ignore it and just use it. <laughs> I, I feel I feel. Like <laughs> <that>. <laughs> mm. So that's awesome. Good yeah, experts. So good to have people yeah. who well, do literally I, I, any. I wouldn't research. say experts, but by our standards, just how's your... Hey, Justin, how's that bitters taste? Um, oh wait, that's you, Michael. You're drinking what again? Yeah. Something absolutely delicious it that is, Ethan gave me for my birthday. I am jealous. I, that that <laughs> was the only thing I drank in college because I hate beer, and uh, I, at the bar I went yeah, to yeah. literally would have those there, and it was <laughs> it was the best, man. Man, yeah, yeah. they're great, Michael. Okay. These guys might be better than we are at super violating at the stupid the, game the spirit of the law <laughs> while following the letter of the law. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> I offered you guys uh, to make rules for us. I I made that clear. You, did, you, you, did. you just have to follow the basic rules. Yeah. The basic. So I think I'm doing okay. I think I'm doing okay. Yeah, you're doing all right. Good, yeah. yes. <laughs> uh, um, all right. Yeah. So the tell- uh, what else about this story? Telltale Heart. Well, I also thought we could talk about just Poe in general, too. Yeah, because, sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. So one of the reasons why I really like Poe, and it's kind of stupid, but here it is anyway. So I'm not sure if you guys know this, but he's a dropout of West Point. Oh, I didn't know that. It doesn't surprise me from what I do know about him. Yeah, right. his his dad made him go there, and he hated it, and he ended up leaving. And same goes for me. <laughs> really? <laughs> I went, yeah, I went there for two years, and it just wasn't for okay. me. And before right. the start of my junior year, before I had to like recommit to eight years, <laughs> I decided to leave. And so I always kind of felt a, a nice little connection with Mr. Poe because of yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Interesting. I did not yeah. know that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He, uh, he hated it. And there's, a, there's like a lot of stories about it. And like that's actually one of the things you have to memorize is a list of people, like famous people who quit West Point <laughs> when you're a 
when you're a freshman, you have a book of knowledge, and that's one of the things. Interesting. In there, so, so oh. do you uh, do you see that coming out in his stories? Like, is there anything you identify with that you can like? Pick so out I from his I, I think it's more. I think for me, when I when I see when I think about that, like just that little aspect of his life, is that he doesn't like authority, right? Yeah. And mm. and he was a he was definitely more of a. What's the word like a, a romantic, but not this romantic. The uh, what's the name of the, the the romantic that always fails? Hopeless romantic. Oh, hopeless, hopeless yeah, romantic, yeah, yeah. hopeless romantic. I mean, I mean, he lost his wife at a young age, and then that just mm-hmm. derailed him, right? And I mean, he only got paid ten dollars for the Telltale yeah. part, which is mm-hmm. nuts to think about because it's how like inculcated it is into American literature, right. and. I think like you see that with Poe's work. Like Poe knows what he's doing is like good. Like he knows he's good at it, but mm-hmm. he's not like no one likes what he does. Like no one takes what he does seriously. And I, I think that's really hard. And I, I think you can definitely see that in his writing, sure. especially as he gets closer and closer to his death. Like his stories get more and more morbid and more sad, especially after his wife dies. Mm-hmm. So you, I, I think there's something interesting in that uh, aspect that, that I kind of wanted to, to touch on, even just in, in talking about the Telltale Heart and the, the ambiguity that we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. uh, especially the character's motivation. What Poe does really well with that ambiguity, a lot of people who publish things on the internet and never actually get published try to do the same thing yeah. without necessarily realizing it, and they do it poorly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where you've got flat characters and characters who don't have any real depth, but what they are failing to put in, Poe did just really subtly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's I think that's the nature of why he was so misunderstood. His characters probably came across just flat, and nobody really understood what the story was he, even about. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, because in our last episode, we, we reviewed the original Halloween, mm. and we had a couple mm. of listeners write in to us, but we're getting back to this already. Man. Oh yeah, yeah like, come on. And, 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 they, and they talk about how there's like no motivation behind Michael, how Michael is flat, and how he's boring. But I think they're missing the point, right? The original Michael Myers, the original shape, was supposed to just be like un, un, unknowable, just sure, just this entity, this entity of evil that was evil from the get go, and this uncurable. And I think that when someone makes a good ambiguous story. That it's that it comes across well. Whereas if you have like you talked about people in the internet with these flat characters who really don't have any development, that doesn't mm-hmm. translate well into a in, 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 into like a story like that. I think mean, you have to be a good writer to have flat characters. Because the other example <laughs> on the opposite side of the spectrum is Twilight. Right? You have these characters <laughs> that absolutely suck, and you only care because the story is like kind of intriguing, but the writing is terrible. The characters suck. Right. Well, I think I think with maybe with the original Halloween, which I'm only like vaguely familiar with, but also with Poe, um, both of them maybe have the sense that they don't give, you know, any kind of craps about like what the establishment is doing. Like most writers who are trained, especially mm-hmm. if they're trained at like a university level, and filmmakers too, like they're sort of in dialogue with what came before them. So like. Poe writing in the mm-hmm. 1840s mm-hmm. should have been sort of a, a post-romantic, maybe getting into sort of a realist mm-hmm. school of of writing. And Poe just not not he didn't even reject that. Like he didn't even make it clear that that's he knew that he was doing that. He, he just, just ignored, ignored it, it and did whatever he <laughs> wanted. Um, 
and I think Melville, who was writing about in about the same period also, uh, yeah. did kind of the same thing. And it's interesting because, you mm-hmm. know, if you asked anybody who they, what writers they knew from the, the you know, middle of the, of the 19th century America, Poe and Melville are almost always going to be towards the top of the list if they can name anybody off the top of their head. And not only that, right. but think about what came seven years after this was published. I mean, The Scarlet yeah, Letter, yeah. right? I mean, that's kind of considered one of the, the mm-hmm. top romantic stories of American literature. And that one, I mean, you're, you're schooled in this, so you know Hawthorne literally didn't put a period into his story unless it had a, a right. reason for it. Right. And when you consider that, when you consider how how dedicated to the word Hawthorne was, whereas with Poe, like there's so much ambiguity in all of his stories. I think it really kind of shows how maybe ahead of, I guess you can say ahead of his yeah. time that Poe was in comparison well, and, to his and even his when other we were writers. talking about like motivation and stuff and and things along those lines earlier, um, where Poe tends to sort of leave out the the motivations or at least bury the motivations so deeply that it's a it's almost a complete mystery. Um, the mm-hmm. first, like I was just reading a history of. Um, the novel as a form and as a genre and according to the French literary critic who um, wrote this history the first person to do that was Henry James Henry James's novels started coming mm-hmm. out in the 1870s and 1880s and so Poe is doing this huh. in stories he's publishing in like newspapers he's doing this 40 years sooner um, but the reason that you know Henry James gets gets acknowledged by even to this day by literary critics that Poe doesn't has to do with that just complete sort of, sort of uh, eschewing of the the literary um, establishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just he didn't he didn't care for. It. I mean, he was writing what he wanted to write, and he knew what he was yeah. trying to get across. And because of that, I mean, he, he, thank God that he was a good writer. Because if not, like his work would have been forgotten. But because his stuff was good, I think another one who kind of falls into that category is Emily Dickinson too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. She really got the same kind of praise that she should have gotten at the time because she was just so far ahead of where she was. Well, and also she's, she's complicated because she also didn't attempt to publish in her lifetime and all that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's and she's similar, right, which in is the, another in the thing too, because artists just sort of doing whatever they want. Um, yeah. And how they get treated by the literary establishment for that. It's almost like they give the finger to the establishment and the establishment to some extent gives it back to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 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 a little bit of ars gratia artist, yeah. without having the right to do yeah, ars without gratia. Being granted that right by, by the yeah, exactly. Um, it's, right. it's interesting too. Like you mentioned Hawthorne earlier, and um, Hawthorne comes out of that that school that is much more sort of in the in the literary canon. Like he he knew he was going to be in the canon in his lifetime. Oh, yeah. And there's like that strain of American literature, but then Poe represents this other much wilder strain where his inheritor was probably Bret Hart, who not a lot of people have read today, but the guy who probably learned the most from Bret Hart was a guy by the name of Mark Twain, who, you know, to this day is considered possibly the greatest American novelist, and if not, you know, mm-hmm. certainly in the in the top five. So, like, mm-hmm. Poe is part of this almost Wild West uh, tradition of American literature of sort of eschewing the establishment and doing whatever he wants, um, that even if he doesn't, you know, get get the kudos, especially in his own lifetime, he uh, 
he paves the way for people like Mark Twain, and that's the almost the literary tradition that triumphs um, while the academics mm-hmm. are sort of off in their ivory towers writing manifestos against each other. <laughs> uh, uh, that's good. Um, yeah, anything else anybody wants to say about this story or about Poe in general? Um, other than I wish that he had lived past 40 so he could have written more. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean yeah. when, right? when you really put it into context, like how short of a time frame where he was writing. Yeah. Um, but see, then you've got to ask the question, if he had... If he had lived longer, would he be as famous? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fair question. But you know, that's a that's a Schrodinger's cat sort of sort of question right there. Uh, I'm thinking of um, a rule I might have to make. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Uh, so I guess that can uh, wrap up our discussion of Telltale Heart and Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, so now we move on to ratings. Okay. Okay. Ratings. Typically, so now at this point, the rules no longer are in effect. Oh, <laughs> no, we've been over that. I missed you. Okay. Section. <laughs> um, in the in the rating section, uh, in, in our normal episodes, we typically rate the scotch we're drinking. So I'll say here on a one to five scale. Does anybody want to rate what you're drinking? I mean, hot chocolate and Bailey's is always a five out of five. <laughs> All yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I got gotcha. you. Uh, I, I think I'll go uh, four out of five. All right. All right. I don't know. The, uh, the banana coconut rum kind of helps. Banana coconut? Yeah. That's, yeah. Wow. That's an interesting. Is it your wife's? Bad, okay. I can't buy just straight rum. Okay? It's got to be nice. It's got to be like a little mini vacation in my neck. Okay? Is, it, is it like Malibu too? <laughs> You got to do what my father-in-law does and just buy Mr. Boston. Seven dollars. It's, it's garbage silver rum that you you do like an ounce of that it's, and like you know what you you had me at seven dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's, that's, that's also why he buys it. So, oh, Justin. You know. Oh, Justin. <laughs> Ethan, do you want to rate your beer? go three and a half out of five it's a it's a solid beer it's a you know a little bit it's the closest thing an ipa gets to like a patio pounder all Uh, right right. i'm never sorry to drink it but sure sure uh well my old-fashioned gets a 3.5 as well um i use simple syrup rather than uh, sugar uh so that you know downgrades it a little bit but you know it was easier and quicker and uh i could have had some better whiskey or, or brandy but, no. Did you have the orange peel in there? I did not. Ooh. I didn't go all out with the, the uh, hardest thing to do at home because you gotta like <laughs> get a strip off yeah. one orange or lemon, and then you're like, "What do I do with this?" <laughs> <laughs> well, this is all useless now. Uh, yeah. But all right, uh, so let's rate the story, and we rate uh, the text that we read uh, on a scale of buy, borrow, or forget about it. Uh, so, uh, Larry, would you like to go first? Sure. I mean, I own several collected works of Poe, and like I talked about. <laughs> oh, so forget about it, right? And I have, like, like I said, I have the uh, Vincent Price tape too, and that's it's definitely a buy. You should buy Poe whenever you can. I think everybody should have a collection of Poe's works in their home. I mean, they're short reads and they're good for a late night. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, Justin. Uh, I'm also gonna have to go buy 
Uh, this was, again, the first time that I read any Poe. I'm not mm. usually a huge reader. Oh, that's right. He's Canadian. Uh, he doesn't understand American literature. Oh, there we go. This again. Okay, <laughs> come on. That's, that makes sense. That makes a whole lot of sense now. <laughs> True confessions. Uh, yeah. No, I, I don't know. It's just, it was a good read. It was, I, I read it at like four o'clock in the morning today. So nice. Yeah, I don't know. It was good. It was, it was enough. Which, to which is when the police come to his house. <laughs> Fitting. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Am I going to murder my dad? <laughs> I think only you can play that. As long oh. as you're not crazy. Uh, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do you a favor uh, and not ask any follow-up questions. But... Yeah, that's probably the best. <laughs> this is going, uh, yeah. And I need a new co-host. <laughs> well, the police haven't come yet. Just don't let his pocket watch fall out of his pocket when you do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Learn from the mistakes. <laughs> All right, Ethan, how about you? Buy, borrow, or... What was the other one? Forget. Forget about it. Forget about it. No, I have to. I have to say bye. Um, I. I honestly, I agree with uh, Larry. I think said you know, own Poe's collected works. Like I, ha- I read this out of my complete stories and poems of Edgar Allan Poe, which I think has all of his fiction and poetry. Um, it has Fall of the That's House awesome. of Usher, all the short stories, all the poems, and it's like, it's a pretty big book, but it's definitely a you know you could carry it with you on a bus or something like. It's not difficult mm-hmm. to own the the complete the complete works of Poe, and you know it's definitely worth the worth the investment. And and I'll I'll add my vote as well to the same buy buy this buy the story by Poe by collected works. Uh, you can even buy multiple copies and share them with your friends. Uh, it's it, it, Poe is classic, and that's not going away anytime soon. And there's a reason that he's classic. So. And he's a far yeah. easier read than other authors of that time period, too. He really, really is. Yeah. 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 He's, he's very easy to read. Uh, also, he has a, 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 a lineage to a, an NFL football team. <laughs> not, not genetic, but like the Baltimore Ravens <laughs> are named because of Poe. <laughs> that is also the Edgar uh-huh. Award, too, that they put out yeah. every single yeah. year. For yeah. the best mystery yeah. stories. So I always appreciate that because usually it's pretty good stuff that they give that award to so yeah yeah good stuff all right um well the last rating we typically do is a pairing of the drink and story um (laughs) so if if you'd like to to rate the match between your drink and the story that we discussed (laughs) feel free is it a good match or not a good match Uh, not a good match for me no (laughs) if you're if you're reading you you need uh you need a strong brandy or a bourbon with a with a nice old ice cube in it and that's about it (laughs) Yeah, candle lit, <laughs> candle lit to your side, and probably a box of tissues, just you know, just to contemplate mortality and life. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't say it better than that. So yeah, yeah. yeah I think the old fashioned was all right, but if it were just you know a straight liquor, that'd be a lot better. <laughs> but <laughs> definitely not flavored rum, Justin. <laughs> what are you talking about? This guy's mind is on a vacation. I'm oh on my god, really, we're the same person, really. Uh, awesome. Um, all right. Well, uh, this brings us to the conclusion of this special Halloween episode of Michael and Ethan in a Room with Scotch. Uh, since we had uh, you two, Justin and Larry, on this podcast from the Here's Johnny podcast, uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about what's going on uh, on your show? Yeah, sure. So Justin and I started this 
about two months ago, three months probably when you hear this, but yeah. we're just a, a horror-focused podcast looking mainly at film and video games, and we review films and video games. Um, <laughs> the, the season when this, when this episode does come out, we are still in Deranged Man. We'll have reviewed uh, the original Halloween, the new Halloween that comes out this week for us, a few weeks ago for the listeners. Um, we're going to also this season take a quick break from Deranged Man and look at Suspiria, the Dario Argento classic, as well as we're going to be reviewing the original, the, the remake of Suspiria that's being done by Amazon, which I have my trepidation about. Um, oh, we'll talk about that later, trust me. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> but no, I mean, we're just kind of doing some stuff. We are going to be interviewing Ben Rock, who was a producer on the original Blair Witch Project. Um, oh, um, I'm going to be going to see a movie a month before it comes out. Nice. Yeah, he's going. Go ahead, Justin. Talk about that in your, in your Oh con. yeah. Uh, so actually, this weekend for us, this Friday, I'm going to see uh, Overlord. It's like a World War Two Nazi zombies. It's, yeah, Nazi yeah. zombies, pretty much. But uh, it, oh yeah, yeah. So it doesn't come out until November sixth or 9th and uh, because of the show, we actually we got offered some screening tickets. So that's awesome. Yeah. And he got press. He got. He also got press access to a uh, gaming convention up there, and he's going to go check out some games way beforehand. Yeah, yeah. sweet. I'm pretty excited to play some Pokemon and <laughs> some Ultimate Smash. But, you know. but yeah, nice. we uh, like on our podcast, we try to keep it PG-13 as best as possible. We don't just talk about body counts and nudity. We talk more about the plot of the film, um, how mm-hmm. the film was shot, how well it's acted, how scary it is. We try to give it more complex look at the horror genre because for Justin and I horror is a lot more than just like watching people get cut up it's there's a lot more to horror than what it gets credit and yeah come well, on over unless you go back and watch Ginger Dead Man that was just <laughs> we didn't pick that one the audience picked that one and we did tear it apart so but yeah I mean it's a it's a fun podcast episodes every Monday uh, I have a blog post every Tuesday Justin has one every Thursday and we stream on Twitch for two hours on Sundays. So, yeah. And uh, what's your website? Oh, my gosh. So it's a little bit complicated. It's always <laughs> in the show notes. But it is <laughs> here's johnnypodcast.wixsite.com backslash horror. Um, it's free. So I wasn't able to customize the domain any any easier. But, hey, if, you go, but hey, if you Free sounds good to me. But if you go on there, uh, yeah. we have our master list for the video games and the movies. Um, a little bit about the show, about Justin and I. Our blog posts are also all centered there. And then we currently have a contest for season two where if people support the show with reviews or following us on social media and all that stuff, the top three people in the point total over the season will get a Here's Johnny t-shirt. So. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and we'll have a, a link to that to, to your podcast as well, uh, not only in our show notes, but uh, on the Tap Through Radio website if you click on the shows drop down you can find here's johnny there as well so um but uh with that we come to the end of our episode uh mike uh ethan and i i almost said my own name uh, uh, ethan and i will be uh discussing uh part two of don quixote in the episodes coming out after this so uh stay tuned for that uh, check out other uh shows when we talk about other books and works of literature um, give us your feedback as well. You can go to the contact section of the capitalradio.org website. Uh, if you put Scotch Talk in the subject line, that helps us get access to your feedback more easily. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Room with Scotch. 
Uh, I'm on Twitter at M G L I L I E N T H A L. Yeah, you all should have that memorized. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ethan, where are you? On Twitter at B J A R T L E T T. Beartlet. You can find me on Twitter at BeaverLA. The show Here's Johnny is at Here's Johnny Cast. And I'm at Pickle Thing. Excellent. It's an old children's book. I'm not some kind of perv. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Make sure to say that as often as possible. Yeah, always add that qualifier. <laughs> um, uh, if you go on uh, Facebook and look for the Tapestry Radio Tap House, that's our closed group uh, on Facebook. If you request to join, we will let you in as long as you are not a robot or a heart beating and telling of our guilt. Yes. Uh, uh, Michael, my goodness, I keep saying my own name. Ethan, we're the same person. <laughs> that's right. uh, Ethan and I will also do your English homework uh, if you want us to. Uh, we don't promise to do it well, uh, and we do not condone plagiarism. So don't just take what we do and turn it in. But if you go to our website, tapstradio.org slash scotchcast, and you fill out the homework submission form there at the top, we'll do our best, uh, and we'll record it, and we'll make it fun, uh, and get back to you, and you can uh, ask your English teachers and professors what they think. Wait, really? Do you do their homework? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep, we'll do homework. Man, where was this when I was in high school? <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you like this podcast, check out our other shows on the Tapestry Radio Network, like Here's Johnny, uh, as well as Intermission, the audio drama podcast, and Pokemon Rollout, the Pokemon Tabletop United RPG podcast. Um, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are sold. We don't pay to advertise, so that's how others can learn about our podcast and enjoy all the content that you enjoy. Um, anything else we need to promote or share or anything? Uh, anything, any final thoughts, Justin, Larry, you guys have? No, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for having us. Yeah. And thank yeah, you thank for you. serenading oh, us, Ethan. That was beautiful. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I knew it was. Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> All right, well, until next time, gentle listeners, just remember, it's our party. We'll try if we want to. Bye. See you.
Hello, gentle listener. We just wanted to take a break here at the bottom of the episode from ending the episode and just talk a little bit more about our Patreon. Uh, yeah. The main point of our Patreon page is, of course, to give us money, but as with Please, all things money. in this extremely broken capitalist system, you can't just ask people for money, so we're giving you some some uh, things back. Mm-hmm. You're not buying them. They're rewards for the They're money that you give us. Yeah, which is definitely not what buying is. Nope. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so, uh, if you go over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash roomwithscotch, there's also a, a link mm-hmm. on our website, you can yep. see all the tiers. We just wanted to highlight a couple things. Um, mm-hmm. If you just give us $1 per month, just a dollar. One dollar. You get one dollar going once, going twice. Sold for one dollar. Except not sold. You're donating it, and we're giving you a reward. And also, it's not the only thing. So really, this metaphor is falling apart around us quickly. Oh crap! Uh, All right, one dollar. You get for a dollar. You get access to the secret archives, um, yes. which contains tons of bonus audio from Michael and Ethan. Um, I have at least three different sort of bonus things up there currently to our right. analyses of, of various uh, shorter pieces. Um, there's a file of me reading the short story that I analyzed in a different file. Um, mm-hmm. And the plan is to expand. By the time this goes up, there will be more of me on there as well. Excellent yes. specificity there. And there's, there's also content from uh, some of the other Tapestry shows as well that you can get access to just by donating only to this show. So yeah. isn't that great? Yeah. So access to the Secret Archives at just a dollar. For $3 per month, you get to pick an issue of Tapestry Wonder Tales and Trivialities, which is a magazine that we produced three issues of several several years ago that's filled with stories, yep. poems, um, visual stuff, uh, just sort Funny of little things. Wondrous things. Um, and trivialities. And they're, they're you know, we, we've never been timely, so therefore Tapestry nope. Magazine is timely. So anytime that you donate exactly. and get your copy, you should, you know, be able to revel in the stories referencing you know, literary works from hundreds of years ago and other extremely yep. timely relevant things. Absolutely. Um, it's exactly what every coffee table needs. Yes. Uh, at $20 or more per month, um, now I've mm-hmm. skipped a few tiers, so you'll have to just go to the Patreon to uh, uh, look at all the things you can yeah, get. Yeah, look at all of them. Uh, at $20 or more per month, you get a personal mini just for mm-hmm. you. If you donate 20 if you pledge at the $20 or more per month level, we will work with you um, to pick a book, short story, poem, or other input. Maybe you want us to watch a movie or read a, read a yeah. graphic novel or something. Um, sure. We will do that. It will be dedicated for, to you. Um, mm-hmm. We'll do our best to personalize it for you. Um, and you yourself will become a part of Tapestry Lore. Yeah. Imagine um, that. You will be immortalized. Now, we do have one tier. Like I said, we have several tiers between 3 and $20. Go to the yep. Patreon and look at that. Michael, do you want to talk about our last tier, our highest tier? Yes. 
our for our tier, as it were. Transcendent tier. Yeah, that's that's what we'll call it. The transcendent tier. If you yeah. love this show so much that you would like to donate $1,000 or more per month, if you'd like to uh, pledge that amount, $1,000 or more, that gets you to the transcendent tier, uh, you get to be basically a, a lit professor for us. You assign us a book to read and an essay to write about it. Ethan and I will each write an essay uh, providing a self-published hard copy as well as a digital copy of that essay in the secret section. Uh, so you get to basically turn us into your literary slaves and make us read a book, write an essay, and give it to you in hard copy and publish it on the secret section and whatever it, whatever it can be. Let your imagination go wild if you decide yep. to do this. Um, yeah, we will write whatever you want. <laughs> Um, and some people might say it's a, it's a little bit arrogant to uh, have a thousand dollars here, but you know, what's the worst <laughs> that can happen? We don't get a thousand dollars or more per month. We already don't have a thousand dollars or more per month, so like, whatever. We're not man. losing anything. <laughs> yeah, don't add us. Don't yeah. add us. Back off. All right. Back off, except to give us money. Yeah, thank you. Please. Thank you. So thank yeah, you once guys. again, that's at uh, Patreon.com/slash/RoomWithScotch. Check it out and donate whatever you feel comfortable donating. Whatever is in your heart and also <laughs> whatever things you want to get out of it. Yep. But you're not buying uh, it. Thank you're you. donating and we're giving you a reward. It's very different. Thank you. We love you. Thank you. We love you. Bye. Thank you. We love you very much. Bye-bye. Obscurantism and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Obviated objects of oblivion. Obambulating about. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. In the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org. From our fancy to yours.